This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're chatting with Gav Murray, aka Trick Mist, about his new album and the resultant UK and Irish touring.
Gadget in the Cloud with new single Too Soon to Say released this past January 4th and available on all streaming services and Bantam with Already There taken from his Move album. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and this week we're joined in studio by Gav Murray, the artist otherwise known as Trick Mist. Your debut album, Both Ends, available now via Pizza Pizza Records, released toward the end of last year including a number of gigs in Ireland toward the end of last year and at the UK at the beginning of this year. Kind of very quickly before we kind of discuss it a little bit later on in the show, kind of how has the album been received? Kind of how do you feel about it now as a as, as, as a piece of work? Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how it's been received. Um, it was it was a, a body of work that I've been working on for quite a long time, so it was really amazing to get it out there and just see what people thought and I've got lots of nice um lots of nice personal reactions to it um which uh which which is great you know it's been uh, on a sort of a wider level received received very well as well so I'm very happy with how it's been received and just from my own point of view it's nice to have that bit of distance from it myself you know having been working on it for so long yeah and it's odd to kind of look at it as a finished product it is odd, yeah, but it, I think it's I think it's kind of nice in a way, do you know, to have that bit of distance is is a good thing, do you know. You have, you can kind of stand back and finally look objectively. I think when you when you're making art, there's so much kind of calculation, so much sort of microscopic kind of view, do you know, and then to stand back is a great feeling. I imagine also, you know, given the journey that you've been on, that we'll talk about uh, as the show progresses that having that finished product at the end of all of it as well is must be hugely rewarding. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was, I've been working on it for a long time and it's taken me many places. Um, you know, I, I made it in across multiple countries. So, yeah, it was, it was quite, a, quite a task and that definitely contributed to the, the satisfaction of, of uh, putting it out eventually, you know. Well, let's kind of get right to the heart of that matter, that journey that it has taken you on. Because your work with Trick Mist was very much informed by looking to evade the experiences that you would have had in previous bands. Um, you know, obviously, moving around in an attempt to kind of set down roots as a band can be very draining, creatively and personally. But just before we kind of get into that a little bit, maybe kind of take us into your earliest musical experiences. Kind of what, what spurred you to kind of take this path in the first place? Um, well, I mean, I've been music has been a huge part of my life um, from as long as I can remember. Really, I mean, I think I the first thing I started doing musically was I, I was learning like tin whistle in like national school and stuff like that. That stood to you in future yeah, singles. It, it certainly did, yeah. Which is which is gas. And looking back, actually, then I learned a bit of Bowron. Then I kind of I sort of my teacher, my Bowron teacher was like, "Oh, Bowron's unreal, you know. Don't learn the drums." And of course, I went off and learned the drums. Then uh, after that. Uh, and then everything really started in earnest when I set up a, a sort of experimental indie band with my best pals uh, and we did that for about 10 years so that was where the bulk of my experience um, sort of all sort of accumulated and the Trickmas project started in 2014 when the, the band project fizzled out when I moved we were London based at that point um, and I moved to Manchester at that point to start Trickmas so that's when that happened obviously the Irish music industry being as it is, uh, and especially as it was maybe even 10 years ago, um, there's kind of 
quite a ceiling in that there's like a huge groundswell of support for independent music and kind of out of the way music in Ireland when it comes to like the formal industry supports etc uh, you find yourself having to kind of cast your net a little bit out further um, what was that transition out to London like and with a you know a three or four piece band etc kind of the logistics and the and the upheaval that it creates and how does that affect the band dynamic internally then where you now have kind of pinned this ambition to yourselves and to each other well you see we kind of we moved over for personal reasons really it wasn't it wasn't exactly um you know to make a go over at the band that kind of that kind of ended up being the thing that we were pursuing you know but yeah. it wasn't i couldn't i couldn't really put it totally down to that so uh, it logistically it was it was very difficult you know so it was a mad old city to be based in and it's a it's a tough city to get by in and stuff like that mm. and you know yeah logistics is, is definitely the word the key word um, so yeah being on your own is a lot easier absolutely bands fizzle out as they are want to do and you mentioned that London is no kind of picnic to to get involved in um, London in itself is kind of a self-contained culture shock compared to even the rest of the UK. So you take the decision to go to Manchester and eventually start Trick Mist. Kind of, what was it like to kind of transition out of kind of the big city or one of the the, the largest kind of centres of urban activity in the world and into, I suppose, a city that, you, you know, Cork might have a lot in common with in terms of being considered a second city and especially with the musical history that it has. Was there any kind of changes in the vibe that you kind of picked up on when you went down there that were conducive to creativity, or was it strictly a, a solo creative excursion? Um, the main, the main thing that struck me was um, people's warmth. You know, uh, in Manchester compared to London, people are so open and so warm. And yeah, I definitely agree with you. There is a lot of correlations to be drawn between the sort of London Manchester dynamic and the Dublin Cork dynamic. You know. The I, Dublin anywhere dynamic, really. Yeah, that's true, but yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I agree with you there. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was more conducive to creativity for me, definitely. Um, people were sort of open minded and you know encouraging that kind of that that really helped a lot. Um, and I think yeah, just the warmth of people and people sort of easygoingness and down to earth was 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 a nice kind of nice kind of vibe to experience. A lot of casual music fans will obviously be familiar with Manchester because of the distant past that kind of surrounds post-punk, indie and all of that kind of before it. Much in the same way as the spectre of Rory Gallagher and even like we get Nirvana here for one night and we're still looking at Kurt Cobain murals on the walls kind of 30 years later. Obviously, like in every city, there is a scene. It's just a matter of how much or how little casual observers get to see of it because of really the history kind of that the history that kind of surrounds it. Did you feel that kind of weight of history kind of have an effect on uh, the progress of current day music there? What, what were your kind of... No, I don't think so. I think it, it was almost uh, a sort of a tone in the air where people were almost rebelling against it, do you know what I mean? And they didn't want to be defined by that whole thing, which was obviously, you know, it was hugely defining, but they were trying to get away from that. I think most people I was hanging out with anyway, mm. you know? Um. Yeah, I mean, I remember when uh, I I was going up visiting Manchester. I wasn't sure if I was going to move there at that point, and we were out one night, and then uh, was it was some Oasis tunes started playing. I don't know, was it was it Wonderwall or something? And it was like, oh my god, what's going on here? Yeah. And we were walking around town, and there was a guy busking playing Wonderwall, and it was just like, right, okay, it's a tough crowd. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, no, there was a lot more to it than that. Yeah. 
talk of like you know a city's musical past being inescapable inescapable to it uh, emerges again this week with the announcement in Dublin of the U2 shrine happening uh, somewhere along the Docklands um, so again it, it's it's pertinent as a city's kind of relationship or confrontation with its musical past uh, takes place but once you settled into Manchester then you took the conscious decision to sit down uh, kind of teach yourself Ableton and kind of lock yourself away from the world in order to concentrate on creating Trick Mist maybe bring us into the thought process that you had at the time regarding setting up, regarding how you would go about composing solo, what the transition was between composing solo with a band and just generally learning to be self-reliant as a creative with the help of Ableton and other kind of tools. Okay, well, like the first thing I had to do was learn learn the program, you know, and I guess I had a lot of, uh, I guess, ambition built up over a long period of time of what I do when I eventually, you know, was able to kind of stride forward on my own so to speak you know mm-hmm. so I had built up a lot of ideas um, over I guess many years really uh, but the main the main process which is still the process which I adhere to now is to to um, manipulate uh, samples I, I, I accumulate lots of lots of samples and manipulate them and I make music out of the manipulations that's basically um, that's basically how I work things that's kind of the it's definitely the, the stimulus the starting point of what I do so uh, that point was no different um, and yeah it was it was a learning curve you know it was it, first of all I had to just um, kind of you know feel my way as, as I as I went you know mm-hmm. I wanted the, the songs to determine what you know for example like I'd know I'd know sort of um, aesthetic at the time or anything like that it was just just write the songs and I didn't worry about how I was going to uh, recreate them live it was all just just write the best songs you can and I was working towards an EP at that time so it was a very interesting time I, at the time as well I also um, embarked on a, a, a conceptual video project which came out with the with the EP mm. and that that was very interesting actually because I, I worked with five uh, artists um, and I, I basically gave them a track from the EP, and I, you know, I said like, okay, so make a, make a video for this, um, and I don't want to be involved in the in the process whatsoever. I'll see you when it's done. Yeah. So that that was a uh, that was very interesting. So it was all it was all revealed at the end. Uh, so I had a launch night, and we screened the entire thing. And um, funnily enough, there was. Um, Lots of sort of reoccurring motifs within the within the the videos, and you know people hadn't been corresponding. I had just given them lyrics and a sort of a brief spiel of what the tune was about, and I found that kind of fascinating. Like there was lo- there was this recurring theme of mouths, like three of the videos had mouths in them, <laughs> which is which is kind of fascinating, no? Yeah, it's obviously not a recurring theme in music. It's just like one of these things that people kind of bring to mind. Yeah, yeah, but like the 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 thing that that really kind of blew my mind about that whole. Um, the whole fact that there was sort of recurrent themes and and stuff like that within the within the videos was the fact that like I was locked in a wardrobe making making tunes for nine months. I had no, you know, there, there was no reference point. It was just there's a song and react to it. So it was really, really nice. That whole experience, also, you know, being quote unquote locked in a wardrobe, learning things as you went, and just generally keeping yourself solitary. What kind of an adjustment was that for you personally? Never mind creatively. Um, 
Well, belting away on the tunes, it wasn't that much of an adjustment, uh, personally, because it's, it's kind of what I, I had been doing when I was working within the band. Um, so no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that different, really, from that point of view. Do you know, mm. personally, I was happier being in, in a new place that I wanted to be in, and you know, you become nicely kind of starry-eyed when you move somewhere new and stuff. Do you know, so there, there was a, there was a lot of positivity run, running through the, the whole experience. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the extended player as a record. Uh, but first, uh, earlier on, we heard from Gadget in the Cloud and Bantam. Gav, you put together a little bit of a playlist for us this evening. Coming up, we have Ghost King is Dead, one of the artists that played with you on your Cork launch at the Roundy before Christmas uh, for the record with Cast Iron. As you say, uh, we, had a, we had a great show together in uh, in Cork there. It was it was lovely to, to, to meet the guys and um, Matt and his band and... Yeah, I think he think he's excellent. You know, um, it was it was a it was, it was great to have him involved on a, on the night. You know, frighteningly mature kind of songwriter for somebody of his experience, just kind of still in music college, still garnering his ideas. You also have the altered hours with Over the Void, taken from their On My Tongue EP from last year. That's it. Yeah, uh, your favorite tune. You're saying that's one of my favorite altered hours tunes, just because it's it's such a distillation of the essence of the altered hours. Like it has that post punk, you know pace to it it's got a lot of that kind of psychedelic vibe to it but it's also that kind of nebulous sonic element that some people might refer to as shoegaze not obviously as strongly maybe it's just kind of all the reverb etc that you catch on it as well but I just feel that it's kind of just the the distillation of the altered hours magic so to speak yeah excellent I mean um, I've, I've always been mad into shoegaze uh, in particular so um, those guys are, are hitting that nerve very strongly. So They really are. Were you at the um, Undivided fundraiser at Cypress Avenue? No, I missed that, actually. They played all new material, and it's really kind of zeroing in on that specific nerve as well. So really excited to have more new tunes from the Altadores on Red on Red in 2019. We go straight into it. So this is Ghost King is Dead with Cast Iron here on Red on Red. <laughs> Thank you. 
The Altered Hours with Over the Void from their On My Tongue EP made available via Art for Blind and Penske Recordings and available on all major streaming services. Their new album is coming out later on in the year and hopefully we'll hear from the lads a little bit before that new album comes out. This is Red on Red, still joined in studio by Gav Murray, a.k.a. Trick Mist. And before the jump, we were talking a little bit about the kind of creative and cultural changes that you underwent uh, when moving to Manchester to record your first EP. The EP, entitled Jars and Rolls, was kind of finalised in 2015. Say. That's right, yeah. We're talking a little bit, you know, about your whole process and learning how to use Ableton and all of this. Maybe take us through kind of how you navigated from getting a grip on Ableton, push and all of this to finalizing the songs and realizing them in a live capacity. Well, the 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 beauty of um Ableton and particularly I guess my discovery with with sort of how I would how I would navigate it as a program was that um, the writing and the mixing and the post-production were all, all kind of, you know, much more sort of, of a joint process. Mm. Whereas when I when I was working with the band, it was sort of a different thing. Whereas you know, you compose something, you rehearse it, then you go and record it, then you mix it. You know, the way I work now is it all kind of happens, you know, kind of at the same time, which is which is great. Um, it's great for uh, time management as well, you know. But it's it's nice just to. Have that element of spont- spontaneity t- to it, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, you see live performance and improvisation becoming the thing for electronic artists in Ireland in recent years. I mean, you look at Naive Ted and the just the range of different sounds and manipulations he's able to pull out of, you know, a, an Ableton push, an MPK and a turntable is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. So being able to kind of channel, channel all that and maintain that uh, immediacy, I imagine, must have been liberating compared to, you know, organising it or, you know, herding cats so to speak with the band but um, the post-production aspect of it then mixing and mastering and all of that mixing kind of. I did the mixing mixed it myself um, and was that your first rodeo as the Yanks would say uh, no I've, I mixed uh, mixed the band stuff as well uh, when I was working with the band so um, that kind of just looked after itself and I, I, I really enjoy that, that that side of things you know mm. um, I uh, I take I take a lot of time and, and, and attention to detail with, with that, and I, I maybe too much actually. In fairness, but uh, I I I really enjoy the the finer details of mixes and stuff. Do you know what I mean? We'll get into your eye for detail when it comes to mixing when we discuss the creative process behind your full length, uh, both ends, a little bit later on. But in between here and there, you kind of got settled into the fabric of creative life in Manchester a little bit. Um, there's live video of you appearing at local arts festivals and one of the projects you undertook was a split single with label mate Video Blue kind of maybe bring us into how that came together and the resulting collaborative work and touring so Video Blue uh, Jim uh, is his name He's he, he, I've known him for years he's my best pal basically and um, he he was in the band project with me and he basically went solo uh, at the same time I did so we both kind of went off and did our own things uh, independently so it was very nice uh, we I think we had maybe yeah it would have been we had a year working independently and then we said look let's uh, let's pull our resources here and do something together and showcase what we've been up to over the last year so that's where the 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 idea how the idea came about and um we I wrote a song called Crumbs Abound he wrote a song called Disco Nap they're both very very different um, I deliberately think, uh, if I remember right now, we 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 didn't show them to each other. We were a little bit secretive, which was uh, 
added an, a, a nice little element of, of crack to the proceedings, you know? I imagine so, especially when there's like, you know, the the production resources going into creating a split final single. Yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of, it was interesting because um, splits are cool, like, because it's like, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're directly associated, but like, you kind of have your own space to which you um, accommodate, I guess, you know, so uh, it worked at a treat. So we, we, um, we did uh, a small UK tour and we, we got the record on sale in, in uh, some amazing record shops and had some lovely feedback and some nice experiences on the back of it, you know. Maybe talk to us a little bit about getting something stocked kind of independently in the kind of UK indies, because in Ireland, it's a, a very tight knit network of record shops and everybody knows you know their favourite in their city but they'll also know their favourite in anyone that loves to go to Plugged or Bunker in Cork knows that they're going to love to go to uh, you know The Rage in Dublin or they'll know that they're going to go to Steamboat um, in Limerick mm. by that same token obviously you know a much larger area a lot kind of wider population bases would mean like a lot more viable specialist record shops maybe bring us through uh, the the process of handling distribution independently for the record well, it it all kind of happened very um, very naturally, really. Um, uh, Jim had a, had a couple of um, record shops that he he was he was very keen on in London, so he he basically just went in and approached them, and, and they, I think they 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 they, they take, they take uh, one and kind of listen to it and get back to him. But they were all very very receptive and very very supportive. Mm. Um, so it was very very informal and very sort of natural moving you know which is nice it's, that's a nice way to have it and then likewise with me in Manchester I I had shops that I liked and I had a couple of contacts and just it was a carbon copy of of what I've just described with Jim just go, just basically going in and um, seeing if they were up for it and they were and we got some some great feedback off it kind of operating on a sale or return basis more so that's it yeah, yeah in terms of you know being found by shelf divers or crate divers in kind of record shops was there any kind of stories that you heard back of like you know just being found more so than anything else um, I don't think so you know I think the 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 most memorable sort of um, positive uh, reaction off the back foot was uh, there was a review of the record by Piccadilly Records in Manchester I don't know mm. if you know if you know that shop I've heard of them yeah. they, they did a, an amazing review of the of the split which was really really uh, you know it, it had a lot of positive things to say so that was that was that's, that sticks in my in my head definitely I'm kind of fascinated a little bit by that mini phenomenon because you don't get the indie record shops reviewing their own stuff in Ireland mm. whereas like you used to get that with like Norman Records as well um, in the UK uh, Aquarius used to do it um, in San Francisco and you know again Piccadilly Records does like it, it maintains a blog and it maintains like an, an active set of notes on everything that comes through and I mean um, I kind of worry is that getting lost you know with so much stuff coming through now to the indie record shops because again the vinyl revival is a thing so there's a lot of turnover on stock etc that little kind of touches etc you kind of wonder is that going to be a thing but sooner rather than later it comes time for you to come home uh, and you settle on moving to Cork um, at some stage early last year I want to say what informed the decision I suppose to leave Manchester to come back home and why Cork over maybe you know having a slightly easier time of, of it in Dublin 
Well, basically, the decision to come back home uh, to Ireland was 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 basically the first uh, part of the process of. Um, I was embarking on a on a, a, a period of, of traveling myself and and my girlfriend. So mm-hmm. uh, we decided to move home. We were living with our folks. We were saving money to go for the trip. Uh, so that was that was the uh, the idea behind that. So that was just basically a means to an end, you know. Buying experiences, not things. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. But um, like, what was it about Cork specifically that would have kind of so you around? When we were away, we didn't know where we were gonna. We didn't know what we were doing. I constantly bit all over the shop when it comes to this this question. Um, so we didn't know what we didn't know what we were gonna do. We we were thinking, uh, possibly not Dublin. Dublin can be a bit tricky, I, I'd imagine, um, and a tough tough enough place to live, I'd say. Mm. So we wanted to move to one of the smaller cities. Uh, so then what happened was uh, my girlfriend's her, her, grand, her grandparents actually passed away unfortunately so the house became became sort of uh, vacant so we, we moved in there basically so the decision was was taken out of our hands so to speak you know I remember happening into you at a gig uh, out of nowhere um, maybe about a year or so after I'd featured Crumbs Abound uh, on a blog at a former employer of mine and just being kind of taken oh Trick, trick missed us here this is going to be cool and you kind of wasted no time in kind of setting about talking to people and kind of putting down roots here so to speak creatively is that something that you're going to do yeah I I guess I did set to work and was really eager to to get going musically at a lot of um, things I need to finish off but most most of my time in Cork has just been uh, just finishing off the album you know that's taken up a lot of time I haven't really embarked on um as much sort of, I guess, uh, absorption as as I as I, I'd hope to do, and I will will hope to do uh, now. I guess the album's out, you know. Mm. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about the conceptual, creative, and post production aspects of your new album, as well as working with uh, Pizza Pizza. But right now, we're going to go back to the playlist that you've helped create, um, "Happy Alone" with Colors, uh, the lads now on Real Fear Records. Oh, I didn't realize that. No, yeah, I've. I've I've only uh, started getting into those guys. Yeah, I liked I liked their stuff. Uh, I saw they were they were playing other voices. Uh, myself uh, and them uh, were down Dingle that weekend, uh, so I kind of got onto them at that point. You know, yeah. but that that tune is a, is a banger. It is absolutely, and you know, just the kind of meteoric rise that they've undertaken in the last eighteen months or so, to where you know, emerging from nowhere to top the file fifty, and then ending up playing. A bigger stage at Electric Picnic and doing other voices, etc. Like it's a credit to the, the work that they're doing, uh, credit to the work that kind of Cormac Daly has undertaken with them, and now this Real Fear Records kind of been a, a kind of a factory record set up almost while we're talking about Manchester. Um, it's really promising, and their 2019 looks really, really good. We also have African Fiction, Chris Summers with a techno banger of his from maybe two years ago, Heat. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that track too. I think it's uh, it's um, it's it's a bit it's a it's 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 like eight minutes long, isn't it? It's a it's a long it's a long number. It's, there's a lot in it. it. There's a lot to sort of appreciate. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great tune that one. It is. It is, and we'll hear from it momentarily. But first, this is Happy Alone with Colors here on Red on Red.
African fiction with heat here on Red on Red. Still joined in the studio by Gav Murray of Trick Mist. And before the jump, we were talking about the lead up to your debut album. Both ends available physically now via Pizza Pizza Records out of Dundalk and online via all major streaming services as well as bandcamp.com. Everything that you had kind of undertaken up to that point was leading to the creation of your debut solo long player. So maybe kind of take us into the creative process that you had arrived at once you kind of sat down and go, right, this is the cutoff point for a debut album and kind of everything that informed it up to that point. Okay, so basically, um, I think it was about two years ago I made a decision to, to write an album. Um, so from that point onwards, everything I was working on was, was all sort of, it was all just channeling towards that end, that end goal. So that, uh, record is basically a document of everything I've done in the last two years, you know. There was no kind of, you know, write 16 songs and then, you know, chop a few off. You know, I know that some artists do it that way. It didn't really work for me. It was just basically everything is has been sort of funneled into this one this one thing, you know. Um, so the album... It coincided with a, with it with kind of mad periods of my life. So basically, I view it as sort of three distinct periods. Uh, the first period was what I, I already um, briefly mentioned before when I when I moved finally moved back to Ireland from the UK, having been there for six years, uh, and uh, I was living with my folks, you know, to save up to go traveling. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a bit of a change. Uh, at that point, I was I was sort of massively anticipating the trip. We were about to head off to India and Southeast Asia, so at that point, there was a lot of uh, anticipation in the air, you know. And the music that I wrote at that time really reflected that. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was that was that was a very distinct time, you know. And it kind of shows in the music because there are kind of samples and field recordings taken from around that time. Um, how did you kind of work those into... Did you work those into existing um, compositions or were those kind of created in the moment? Um, usually the way I work is I'll just I'll just get a load of samples together and just, just start chopping them up and kind of feeling my way around them. And once once I get a couple of loops together that I'm, that I'm kind of vibing off or get a, get a bit of a feel off, then I, then I sort of... Um, just start working in some vocal melodies, stuff like that, you know. And I always have sort of lyrics um, on the go, uh, almost as a separate thing. Not always, but usually. And that's kind of how it, it, it cobbles together. But the samples are, are usually the starting point, you know. Um, which, yeah, it, it can be it can be a bit tricky because you're you're making you're making music out of really kind of dissonant stuff, you know. Mm. Um, but I find if you if you kind of work on it you'll eventually arrive at something that is really, you know, quite sort of weird sounding and quite unique. Pulling samples and such from different sources and, you know, field recordings obviously are very much kind of subject to the equipment you have at the time, the volume that it's working at, everything else is on around you, etc. Did it create any headaches when it came to, you know, working on mixing it yourself and sending it away for master? Not really, and to be honest, I wasn't very, uh, I wasn't really very concerned about that because the 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 samples which I was using were so, I thought, so sort of effective that I didn't really, I kind of didn't really care how they sounded. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. they were, they were, it was more about the concept of how they were placed within the compositions. So I, I went off to India anyway with uh, uh, my laptop and. Uh, 
you know, open, open, uh, open eyes and open ears and ready, ready to absorb the whole experience. And I, I had a little, uh, you know, the little Tascam uh, handheld recorders. Yeah, had one, had one of them with me, and I just went around recording, recording samples. Sometimes, sometimes had to do it discreetly. Sometimes uh, I could do it out in the open. Uh, I used my, you know, the. The uh, the little recorder thing on the iPhones mm-hmm. that that was also used quite a bit. Uh, uh, if I had to be discreet, um, so like I picked up so much stuff. Like like India particularly is just insanely loud. You know, uh, it never stops. Um, and that's something you'd respond to, though. I'd say absolutely. Like the it's such a musical place. You know, and like m- the, the functions people kind of attribute to music all over the world are so different you know what I mean mm. um, and it was just amazing to to see it all and to kind of to take take a little bit of it away with me you know concept was obviously based on like three different aspects of your life in that time and you kind of touched upon two of them and what's that kind of final ingredient to kind of bring the whole concept together so the, the third the third piece of jigsaw was when I moved back to Cork basically uh, so that was um the period when I was kind of finishing the album, so I I had done kind of most of it at that point, and it was that was the final piece of the jigsaw. So that that was a that was an interesting time for me. Uh, as I said, I, we're moving back into this um, this this house that didn't you know didn't didn't belong to us essentially. So uh, there was it was kind of it was a bit weird. It was a strange experience. It was very kind of it was kind of full on. You're walking into someone else's life. Uh, like all the the house is ancient, it's really really old. Uh, like a lot of the housing stock in Cork. Yeah. Um. But um, like the decor was unchanged, everything like that. So it was people's possessions on the walls. Yeah, it was it was odd, and and um, obviously my partner she was grieving, you know, because it was her her grandparents' house. So that was that was kind of full on. So it was it was a bit it was a bit of a bit of a strange time, but it was also kind of married with the excitement of being somewhere new you know mm. and the sort of a new chapter so uh the at that point in time i i kind of i had a little bit of a, a little bit of a blip uh, mental health wise at that point when i came out the other side of it so i kind of um kind of had a little bit of a, a flirtation with mindfulness and meditation at that point so which India would have fed into then as well yeah absolutely so the music at that point uh, I don't know I kind of just chilled out a bit more you know because the, the way I worked previously up to that point was very sort of analytical and very conceptual and uh, at that point in time I just kind of had a bit of a, a switch and used it more as a, I guess an instrument for wellness and just kind of just kind of let things go a little bit and that's reflected in the music as well as a sort of a, a chilled out kind of section or a chilled out sort of you know uh, wing to the sound you know um, so yeah that was the, that was kind of the, the final part is that what you want you want to be able to kind of identify what buttons you know where your buttons are so you can avoid kind of ha- either having them pressed or know what to do in the situation that they yeah. are and I think that's so so important for anybody whether you're creating or whether you're on the facilitation end in terms of arts just because of the whole stress is kind of inherent to you know maintaining it and balancing it with 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 life and work and with everything else but um once the record was done uh it was released physically 
uh, toward the end of last year via Pizza Pizza out of Dundalk, a label that is having quite the quite the run at the minute, really. Uh, Just Mustard, label mates of yours, uh, have just been nominated for the Choice Music Prize. Um, the uh, the the shortlist was announced a couple of couple of days ago via um, another radio station, and like it's a contentious field. There's a lot of different things on it as well. So the fact that Just Mustard kind of sticks itself on there and it's been so so independently and grassroots released is a statement to the power of what they've been doing with it. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I'm well, like I'm totally delighted for the guys. It's, I think it's so deserving. The album is amazing and it, it deserves it deserves the attention. Um, and they're they're such sound skins as well. You know, it's nice nice from that that angle. Of, but um, yeah, it is it is such a such a grassroots movement to hold pizza pizza thing. So uh, it's lovely to see it get get that um, kudos that it deserves, and it's very heartening. What would they like to help put together the twelve inch for the record? Very good. Yeah, I mean, I know some of the guys uh, personally over the years because uh, they're based out of Dundalk. I'm I'm from RD, so very close to Dundalk. So a lot of my um, uh, I guess my musical experience would have been in Dundalk so they're all um, we're all quite connected you know uh, from the past so uh, it was lovely to to keep that keep that car going so to speak so like it, it's basically it offers it offers uh, Irish artists a, a platform to put out to put out vinyl you know um, so uh, they've had an amazing year they've, they had Elephant's record out 88 just mustard and mine uh, in their first year, so that's that's good going by anyone's uh, estimation, I think. Because there's been such kind of there's a, been a little uptick in indie labels being kind of launched out of the smaller fealties in Ireland, where maybe a couple of years ago you had Little League and Little L out of Carlo, you'd Blue Stack out of Schlego, and of course out of Schlego you'd have also had uh, Destroy, um, the punk label, and Jobsworth, its Oi uh, sister label. It's it's lovely to see, um, you know, that element of curation and that element of organisation happening in the smaller towns again, where maybe it would have disappeared at some stage, kind of in the nineties, two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I can I can speak for Dundalk uh, to a certain extent, and I mean, Dundalk for for a town of its size has, has an amazing music scene. It, it kind of always has done, but it's really thriving at the minute. So the label and everything that they're doing and. The acts that are on the label are, are I guess, helping uh, put a spotlight on things there and shine a light on things, which is which is which is great, you know. How did it feel to finally get that album in your hands as twelve inch when you finally finally came through? It felt amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I had to kind of check, you know, the artwork and all the rest, and I actually I had a bit of a, a blip with the record. There was a, there was a fault in the the first pressing, so I had to get them repressed. So uh, my initial uh, rush of uh, what would you call it euphoria I guess was yeah. was quickly shut down when I realised I had to get them redone bloody typical huh? yeah yeah. But that's the that's the gig isn't it you followed it up with a tour of the UK and Ireland with Video Blue and with Elephant uh, kind of a package deal for Pizza Pizza Records uh, between Ireland and the UK maybe take us through the tour as kind of a lap of honour for the label after the year that it's had yeah, so I played I played a show in Cork, which we already discussed, and then I had a sort of a, another launch night in Dundalk with a participant um, and Colonel McIntyre. Uh, used to be in a band called Heritage Centre, 
I don't know if you've heard of I them. I don't think I would have heard of them, though, unfortunately. Um, so that was a brilliant night, and it was it was nice to be back in the venue that I, uh, you know, I've been going to since I was a wee tot. Uh, right. Then uh, last week, uh, we, we went over to the UK. Uh, we did two shows in London. We did one in, um, it was kind of like, it was like an in-store of sorts. It was in, in a record shop, but it didn't feel like a, your normal in-store. Like during the day, it was like an evening time gig mm. and a nice and atmospheric. Um, kind of a BYOB jobby? Yeah, they, they, run, they run a bar at the back of it. It's a beautiful record shop. I'd really recommend it to people. It's called Line Coffee and Records. It's in Clapton in East London. Uh, amazing record shop. Um, Definitely something for Corkonian record slingers to take note of as well. That's kind it. Experiential marketing gigs and coffee and all of this. Yeah, no, it's a great spot. And uh, I played there uh, before actually, but the the gig the last day was was amazing. Really, really kind of sedate and very intimate and just really lovely. And then after that, we the, the following night we did Servant Jazz Quarters in Dalston. Um, and that was nice to it was nice and kind of different, you know, to the previous night. With a nice, nice big PA with a bit of punch was always always uh, very welcome, you know. And then then we tipped up the road to to Manchester to where the where it all began, really. So that was lovely to go back to the back to the source, so to speak. Uh, and we had a great night there. So yeah, it was it was amazing, and um, it was great to have Shane from from Elephant involved, you know. Uh, Getting the pizza, pizza vibes going and and bringing the show on the road, so to speak, and and video blue as well. A fantastic end to your year, certainly. And we'll talk a little bit about 2019 when we come back from some more tunes. Uh, we're going to hear from yourself, but first uh, we have L Ellen King with "Romance," the titular track from her EP. That's it. Yeah, I remember uh, I was in Sri Lanka at the time, and we we'd we'd made a decision that we were coming back to Cork. And I remember just doing a bit of research on like you know who's who's who are the, who's doing what there and what kind of music's coming out of there. And yeah. L was um, was something I, I picked up on. I remember uh, I was like I was like on this rickety bus going up this mountain, and I, I was listening to that tune, and I was like, this is this is cool. This is two different universes. It was like if elephants and stuff walking past. So um, two different universes, but yet you almost like hear the kind of like the main sample that she uses yeah. like, after the build, the kind of the jangly strings, etc. You could almost kind of imagine it clicking to a certain extent. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's how I came across it. I was uh, that's how I came across a lot of uh, a lot of the cork cork heads. You know, we also have a cut from your debut LP with Heart, taken from both ends. Yeah, so that tune. Um, that's track three on on the album. Uh, I, I like that song. It, that was one of the ones that came about very very quickly. Um, there was a, a nice element of flow to it. it, it it's a song really about um, trying to really get your head around uh, appreciating the present tense, you know. And it was very much inspired by my time in India. Uh, this 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 main sample in the song that's repeated. Um, Kind of throughout, well, halfway through, to, uh, all the way to the end, is this is this lady singing in a temple. So I, I heard this this noise, you know, and it's like, what is that? So I got I got the got the little Tascam out, my mm. trusty Tascam, and uh, I kind of gingerly walked out, and um, then this tuk 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 just blazed past and just like ruined the end of it. But oh. 
you have to kind of you have to go with it you know so you, you can't get more present tense than that really that is as in the moment as it gets yes we get straight into it so this is L with Romance here on Red on Red
Trick Mist with Heart here on Red on Red, taken from his Both Ends album, which is available now on all major streaming services, yes? That's right, yeah. And on vinyl from Pizza Pizza Records. What's the stock situation looking like now for the 12-inch? Because you went through a fair few of them on tour. Yeah, got got through got through a couple of them, all right, which is great. Yeah, people people can uh, can buy them directly for me um, on my bank camp, uh, shipping worldwide. So uh, yeah, if people if people like what they hear, they should uh, consider uh, getting on it and getting themselves a copy. Will you be dropping a few into plugged records as well? I will absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's also available in classified records in Dundalk. Um, Keeping the home fires burning. That's it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Having had the 2018 that you've had, you already have a couple of gigs kind of lined up for early 2019. Like, how's your year looking and how do you progress from here now that you've kind of done the little exorcism with your debut album? Well, uh, basically, uh, it'd be a case of keeping the car going and, uh, you know, capitalizing on the momentum and, and the exposure which the album will give me. So, yeah, just gonna, just gonna keep doing what I do, you know, basically. I have a couple of new projects on the go a couple of collaborations and stuff Ooh. Um, and you can scoop us in on here on Red on Red uh, I'm sure I could scoop you in on uh, the first project which is basically Elephant is, is doing a, a, a remix album um, oh excellent so he's asked he's kindly asked me to do a remix there so that's that's going to be very interesting uh, reimagining his work you know Uh so yeah, I don't think he'd mind that little little uh, small scoop. So I'm also playing a quarter block party this year, which I'm really excited about. Uh, it's an amazing festival, so that should be a dinger. Um, I'm playing Saturday night. Um, so the date is the 9th of Feb. I'm playing in the Roundy. Uh, Bit of a haunt for you now as well. That's it, yeah, absolutely. Um, half ten is the time on that one. So Part of a huge lineup as well, so you are. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's lovely to be asked, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the show. Um, and yeah, so get the cork heads out to that one. That's the one. Uh, tickets on sale for that specifically at quarterblockparty.com. Something cool with which to get the year kicked off. You also have the album launch for Dublin. That's upcoming. right. Yeah, that's uh, Thursday, the thirty-first of Jan. Um, that's with Elephant and Video Blue again. So sticking to the sticking to the A team, finishing the tour. That's it. Yeah. Kind of. How has it been now to kind of put the distance between launches in Dundalk and Cork, and then like, you know, the big smoke. It, it's fine. I mean, it's nice to have a bit of space between them. Do you know, I think uh, these things build slowly. So. Um, I'm happy with that. That show is actually in Bellabar, I didn't mention that. Um, the former lower deck. That's it, yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that show. It should be great. The tickets are available now on uh, Eventbrite, and uh, you can check it out. Uh, you can buy them directly from my event page on Facebook as well. Scoop them up. Tell your cousins in Dublin to check them out. <laughs> this is Red... Sorry. That's all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much to Gavin Murray, a.k.a. Trick Mist, for joining us in studio this evening. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. And thank you very much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts, as well as other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. Gav, you're leaving us with uh, a little something from your hometown with uh, Margaret Barry, the turf man from RD. That's it, yeah, so... 
uh, a bit of a, a bit of a tip tip of the hat to my home place and I guess my new home now in Cork. So she she was born in Cork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stumbled across this song a couple of years ago and I absolutely love it. It's 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 really a really nice sort of I guess it documents a, a sort of basic interaction between between two people on on the road, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it romanticizes it. And for that, I it's really stuck with me, you know, the, the romance of sort of small details. So. Uh, fair play to Margaret Barry, she's unreal. A legend in this city, immortalised actually as uh, part of the, the Mad About Cork campaign. That's right, like Different yeah. icons around the city as well, etc. Wonderful to see a rich musical legacy being kind of celebrated contemporaneously. And that's where we'll leave it for the podcast this week. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week. On the sea of Hilt, I took a walk one morning I met a jolly tough man on the road as I went on a, a friendly conversation came between that man and me and that's how I came acquainted with a tough man from a day Oh, we chatted very freely as we jogged along the road Since he me as his tired and